This is the Boxing Betting Show with Tom Craze. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Boxing Betting Show. Now, after a busy month for the sport, the last week or so of July would have been a saddening, frustrating one for many boxing fans. The coming weekend means August gets off to a fairly quiet start, but with action to focus on in Liverpool, Belfast and Brooklyn, I caught up with boxing writer John Evans to see where he's putting his money. John, hi, welcome to the show. Hi, Tom, how are you? Very well, thanks, mate, how are you? Really good, thank you, really good. John, I think probably most people, or certainly a number of people listening to this call will be very familiar with with you, and they will have seen your work kind of over the years. Um, but for those who might not recognise the name, would you mind introducing yourself a bit? Yeah, God, I can't stand talking about myself. <laughs> but I'm John Evans. Um, currently, I suppose you'll find my work on Boxing News in the magazine, and also do all of the previews for 32 Red. I suppose in the past, they might have seen me in Boxing Monthly. I still work for Boxing Monthly, actually. I go strike Billy Graham's column, and uh, I popped up on the Box Nation sofa for a good few years on the Boxing Matters show. So a little bit of everything, really. Yeah, a, a very, I think, well-liked and well-respected name on the um, on the British scenes. John, so how would you how would you summarise your your own betting style? Is it is it short price favourites? Is it is it underdogs? Is it accumulators? What is it? Is it trading? Where do you normally um, where do you normally head? Yeah, I'm I'm not a, a big fan of short price favourites, Tom. Really, I like somebody who's going to give me good value and also give me a good run for the money. I also like to be able to have a little bit of inside knowledge. You know, I like to I spend a lot of time in the gyms in Manchester and perhaps pick up little things that the odds makers don't because we've not seen the guys fight on Sky TV. You know, a couple of perfect examples were the Ryan Doyle fight against Reese Bellotti, where the Ryan Doyle backers, it wasn't even considered a gamble. You know, we knew yeah. Ryan Doyle was going to beat Reese Bellotti. Um, a couple of weeks after that, we had Josh Warrington against Lee Selby. I was pretty sure that Warrington would beat Selby because I'd seen him in the gym and I'd been very impressed. Um, so I do like that, you know, guys who I've seen on the small halls, guys who I've seen up close in training. Um, I like to be able to pick out little things and speak to various people away from an interview situation. And I do think that just gives you a little bit of a, an insight to pick guys who are bigger prices than they should be. It's that kind of edge, really. It's that kind of insider knowledge that no no trader is going to have themselves firsthand no 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 odds maker is going to have themselves firsthand they may they may have decent contacts in in a few camps but if you're spending that time around the gym yourselves as as I know that you do it's um that's a real real um, kind of material advantage you've got yeah you you get to know the guys that that live the life the guys that aren't in the gym as regular as they should be you get to see sparring situations where they're solving problems, not not necessarily knocking people out because things happen in sparring, you know, but the guys that are, are working on various things and you can see how that can translate into a fight. I do like to know that. I, that's what I, that's the thing I enjoy about boxing the most, being away from the, the bright lights mm. and seeing the guys working in the gym. So if you can, if you can pick up little things there, I, I do think it helps you get a little bit of an edge, but that can also play against you. It, you know, it breeds, lo- it breeds false loyalty. I saw I saw Ryan Doyle in the gym before the Lee Wood fight, and he looked in just as good form as he had done before Bellotti. He was in fantastic shape, very confident, and I had a little not not as not as good a bet as I did on the Bellotti fight, but a little little bit of interest on um, Ryan to give Doyle a fight uh, to give Wood a fight. Sorry, and Lee Wood was just fantastic on the night in a different league. So sometimes it does throw you the opposite way. You know, it, it does the guys you get close to, the guys you see more, you perhaps 
think a little bit too much of them, if you understand what I mean, and it, it does skew you. Really? You do have to pick your um, you do have to pick your fighters. I think I'm not sure. I'm not keen on short price favourites. I get no enjoyment from that really. I do like to use a little bit of inside knowledge and try and pick out the the upsets. We got a few good ones over the last eighteen months, didn't we? With, with um, Ryan Doyle beating Reese Bellotti at ten to one, that was a, a huge one. Yeah, I was going to say. I... I, I know we've had a few, a, a fair few chats on on Twitter and so on back and forth, but you you seem to have quite a knack of unearthing the the odd gem here and there on on um, often on the kind of Warren cards it seems. But I think Ryan Doyle, um, obviously on the other side, was was a fantastic example, and that was a, that was a huge gamble if I remember as well by him and his uh, not him but obviously but him and his uh, his, his team. Well, to be honest, there's been a few occasions where it didn't feel like a gamble. We knew he was going to win. You know that that's how right. that's how confident we were. A few people had a pretty spectacular night there. Yeah, I believe Ryan's friends and family cleared out most of the bookies in North Manchester that night. Uh, <laughs> Ryan is a very very good fighter, uh, and he was on firing train, and he, he knew that was a big opportunity for him. And Reese Bellotti was always going to trade with Ryan. And anybody who stands and fights with Doyle is in serious trouble. The defeats Ryan's had against Jordan Gill, Lee Wood recently, are guys that have stood off him, counter-punched him, moved their feet and given him angles, and he struggled with that. Um, but Bellotti just seemed the perfect opponent at the perfect time for a perfectly fit Ryan Doyle. It was 10-1 to 1 when it went off. I think by the first bell it had come down to 7 or 8, and I think even Adam Smith on commentary said some people in the northwest have, have piled a lot of money on Ryan Doyle here to win this. And called the to come in. That was the North Manchester version of a Ryan Doyle fan club. You're listening to the Boxing Betting Show. I, th- I think most people generally have the right idea about what's going to happen. But when you look at the odds on boxing, they can be so short. And I think that sometimes tempts people into placing silly bets. If you were to go down and I think most people could pick a six fight winning accumulator every single weekend, but you'd get you'd get eleven quid back off a tenner. Yeah, yeah. It's just not worth doing. And I think that does tempt people into placing silly bets, you know, accumulators on the method of victory and things. Um, but if you just pick the right ones, you can generally do quite well. I think you're right. And this is something I'm gonna to touch on in, in a future episode. But in a sense, particularly with boxing when the you see so many one-sided fights. It's very, very easy sometimes to pick winners. You know, any given weekend, you can pick pick out five, six, seven winners at 1.0, whatever it might be. That's not the the hard bit. But that, if you're looking to actually win in the long term, it's more about getting, more about identifying when the prices are out of skew with where they should should actually be. And yeah. and certainly you see the odd occasion, whether it's Ryan Doyle or whether it's whoever it might be, that you think, hang on, that just isn't, that just isn't right. And it's those kind of inefficiencies in the market that will, that really separate the the good betters from the, from the bad really. Moving on then to Friday night in Liverpool, the matchroom next gen card, uh, main event, Anthony Fowler versus Brian Rose, um, actually at middleweight, which I think might have slipped under the radar for some. Um, it's for a vacant WBO trinket. I'm not sure how much we'll kind of read into that in the long term as any kind of permanent move for, for Fowler. Um, he's obviously very big for a light winner weight, but the, I guess, the carrot of the, the Cheeseman fights and the Fitzgerald fights are back down at um, 11 stone. Rose, obviously more established at the weight, moved up from uh, 11 stone a few years ago, only returned in November from a short kind of a semi-retirement, really. 
after losing to Jack Armfield in March 2017. That opened a pick and actually Armfield went off the, the favourite. Um, Rose had just over 18 months out. So it was a, a typical kind of boxing retirement, really. Come back since against a couple of guys with, with losing records. So I think this is a, a step up really for, it, it, I think it's a step up for Fowler on paper as much as it is a step up for Rose in his kind of road to recovery or returning to form or whatever he may be doing in this kind of second phase of his career. What are your thoughts on this one, John? I think it's a, it doesn't seem to grab the attention of many people. I think it's a really interesting fight, this. Um, Fowler struggled when Fitzgerald boxed. Rose is going to box him. Rose has been there and done it. Very experienced. And he's got something to fight for as well, hasn't he? You know, he wants to continue his career. Fowler's going to be going in with, as confident as he is and as confident as he may sound, he's going to be going in with doubts. You know, the last six minutes he spent in a boxing ring, he got dropped, hurt, and lost a decision. So all of those things are going to be in his mind. Um, you've got a fancy Fowler, though. I, I, I think he, I think the Fowler, despite the Fitzgerald loss, I think, I think he's a fighter on the rise. Rose has had a, a good career. I think he's overachieved. Um, and it feels a little bit like Fowler's, uh, sorry, Rose is still fighting for relevance a little bit. I do think it'll be interesting. I think the first three rounds, whether we see Fowler get frustrated by Rosie's jab and movement, but I, I just think it's inevitable that Fowler will get there in the end. I think he might try to listen to Dave Caldwell a little bit more than he has done in the mm. past. I think that might be quite yeah. obvious as well. I think he might be quite deliberate in what he's doing just to make it clear that he is following instructions and he is this new, improved fighter. But the second he realises that Rose can't hurt him and the second he realises that his punches are having an impact, I think he'll resort to tight. Fowler's one to nine, um, obviously best price now. Um, he he opened actually um, at that same price, but since then there has been movement since. The one to nine is a bit of an outlier. Generally, he's much shorter. Bet365, one to eight, now one to 14. Labrix, one to eight, now one to 10. Betfred, one to eight, now one to 10. Um, Paddy Power, Betfair, obviously one and the same now trading-wise. One to nine, now one to 12. So there has been a bit of money kind of clipping in Fowler. Um, I think what was interesting and what I kind of noticed when I was kind of researching this fight, Fowler, well, what, what we know about Fowler, he's, he's a good fighter to watch. Yeah. Um, and when he, he wins, he tends to kind of win big. Fowler has got eight uh, knockouts in nine wins. Brian Rose has got the same number of, of KO wins as Fowler in 27 more fights than Fowler. So I think that's it kind of echoes exactly what you said that Rose is there to box. He's, he's never been a, a puncher in the same way that Fowler is. But I think what's interesting about this fight is, as you say, obviously Fowler was came in for huge kind of criticism or humble pie, as he put it, um, after the Fitzgerald fight. But whether he tries to force the action, uh, force the action so much, but force the stoppage in the same way that he does in pretty much every fight he's had, actually. But he especially did so against Fitzgerald and, and probably paid the price kind of late on um, with that. I initially looked at the odds on this and I fancied rounds four to six. The odds were a little bit tight, though, you know, 21 to 10. And I think that's a little bit tight. So five to yeah. one on bet three, six, five on round seven to eight. And I think I'll be looking at that. I think by the mid rounds, Fowler will be having an impact. And I think five to one is a very good price on round seven to eight. What do you make of the, the, the two to seven stoppage based on what you're saying? You, that's kind of not your style of pun anyway, but... Is that about right? Does that feel a little bit short for you? It feels a little bit short to me, but it, it is my preferred option. Um, you've also got to remember, Rose busts up quite badly these days, doesn't he? You know, his nose is very, very susceptible to injury. It seems to happen in every fight very quickly. You know, if that starts to hurt, if that be becomes painful and Fowler's just relentless, 
I think Verstoppage does look more and more likely as the fight goes on. If we always can see the end, you know, if we get to round eight and nine, he's seven, eight, and he's he's provided pretty much unscathed, he probably knows a little bit more than enough to get to the final bell and to make it to the end. But my gut instinct when I first looked at it was that Fowler will be a bit more patient than in the past, just to show that he's listened, but he will get there and he will resort to type and, and try and finish rolls off around the middle rounds. Uh, quick calculation, eight um, KO wins so far. Fowler averages just three and a half rounds. Obviously, Rose is, is a, a sizable step up from some of Fowler's early opponents. Fowler inside the first five rounds, obviously a 10-rounder, 11 to eight, um, five to four in places, two to one that Fowler finishes it in the second half. If Fowler loses to Rose, you know, if he if he blows himself out early and gasses out and, Fowler, and Rose finds his rhythm, Fowler's career is, you know, it's, it's on the rocks. If Rose comes out, too cavalier and gets clipped early then it's the end for Brian Rose I think there's a lot on the line for both guys and I think that might just result in a little bit of caution not caution on Fowler's part but more caution than usual and I think that might see us to round three and four Fowler will start ramping it up and, and then it'll just be a, a slow erosion job on Brian Rose I mean looking at Rose's uh, losses so far he he has shown he's vulnerable. He, he, he's shown he can be hurt. He lost five times, stopped in three of those. But to his defence, they were all down at um, light middle. Um, yeah. And just for, for kind of reference on the show, it will always be light middle on the show. It will never be yeah. super welter. That's a, a point of principle. But, you know, he's he's lost by decision to Mac, uh, to Macklin, to Armfield. Um, and obviously he was stopped by um, Demetrius Andre. But I think most people would agree that he's Andre is probably a level or two uh, above even a prime uh, Brian Rose. Carson, um, Jones, Carson Jones got to him very early, didn't he, in Blackpool? Cast, he, he did, although I think that was a bit of an Ian John Lewis special, <laughs> wasn't it? He was uh, trigger-happy, as he, he often is. I think, yeah, before that, you know, Rose has stopped in the middle rounds, round six, round seven. So it's, it, and I think it's quite a good line here, actually, from the, from the bookies. And bearing in mind what we've just said, look, over five and a half rounds, so that we see the second half of the fight, four to six on, so slight odds on, 10 to 11 over 6.5. So I think the question really is, I think we can both see uh, a foul of stoppage, but when it exactly comes, I think is, is probably the art to picking a, a bigger price winner here. The middle rounds there, what you, you said, it's four to six, 21 to 10? 21 to 10 for four to six, but seven to eight is five to one. And that, and that that just holds a bit more appeal to me. Even even though four to six jumped out at me for, for the bigger price, uh, Anthony Fowler to winning round seven to eight at five to one seems like a, a pretty good, pretty sort of good and fair bet to me. Brian Rose then is 14 to one um, with the bookies to win by decision and by KO. So there's, they're saying, look, there's frankly a sliver of a chance that he does either, but they have no real preference. So they're saying, look, which is actually a little bit surprising. I thought Rose's, you, you say his route to victory would probably be a, a decision. But then again, if you factor in the fact that it is in Liverpool, um, obviously Fowler's hometown, that, that kind of skews that out a little bit as well. OK, OK. So we're, we're saying probably mid mid to late rounds, Fowler, Fowler stoppage is, is the way to go here. Yeah, that, that's, that was my initial, initial thought when the fight was made. And I've, I've not really seen or heard anything that would change my mind on that. I think I'm with you. I think Fowler probably catches up to him at some point. I was having a, a discussion actually um, with, with someone else the other day and, and they, they messaged me and said, hey, look, what price do you think Fowler will be when he opens for, for the stoppage? And I said, look, I haven't really thought about it that much, but my hunch says probably 8 to 15 
ish. So obviously this week, I, when the, the the kind of the fuller prices were were quoted up, I was hoping for something around that, and maybe optimistically hoping for kind of eight to eleven, eight to thirteen. Um, obviously, then it came out at one to three, and thought, well, that's the end of that. So yeah, that, I think that's a little bit too short for me. It might it might well be the 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 correct price, but it's certainly one that I'm not going to be steaming into um, yeah. or touching at all. Also on the bill, then uh, we have probably the best match fight on the card, um, at least according to the odds, which is Jack Cullen um, versus John Harding Jr. Ten rounds for Cullen's English uh, middleweight title. I quite like this fight actually. Um, sort of a classic North versus South, um, Bolton versus well South London. Odds only came out on Tuesday this week. Um, Cullen one to three favorite, two to seven with Bet three six five. That didn't last long actually. There's been a bit of money for um, Jack Cullen since then. Uh, now priced one to four, two to nine, and actually one to five is probably more uh, widely available. Yeah. Harding Jr. Uh, opened short as five to two. Um, obviously, he's been on the dress since then with that money coming in for, for Jack Cullen. Um, Harding is now a 10 to three, seven to two best price uh, and 25 to one for the draw. This is one of the fights, uh, as I mentioned earlier, where you know I know one of the fighters as well. I've seen him come through the ranks. I've, I think I've been a, probably... 95% of his fights, Jack Cullen. People are going to get a surprise. Um, you know, they'll see the publicity shots if they've never seen him fight. And he's a huge middleweight, very tall, very gangly, massive reach. And straight away, you think that he's going to box. Well, no, uh, Jack Cullen's a one-man war machine. You know, Jack Cullen's coming to knock you out. It drives his trainers mad because he gets involved in tear-ups with people who are so much smaller than him. But Cullen just seems to get intently focused on the knockout. And I think that's played into the odds here. When you, you when we get a, an evenly matched fight like this on paper, you know, you've got Jack Cullen and John Harding for an English title. The odds on a um, decision victory always seem to be quite short for me. You know, you've got, we've got yeah. Jack Cullen at six to four for a decision. Um, I think that comes into the odds makers not having seen Cullen fight. You know, Cullen's going to go for the knockout from round one to ten. Even if he's winning in round nine, Cullen will go for the knockout in round ten. You know, he's that type of fighter. Harding Jr. is going to be his best opponent. No doubt about that. But I just think Cullen at middleweight, he's, he's so big, so aggressive, such a good chin, doesn't mind taking a shot to give one. I'm on Jack Cullen for a late stoppage here, and I'm thinking again around 7-8. You know, it's a good price. There's a few things that strike me about this this fight, and I think it's I think that's why it's quite intriguing on paper. You've mentioned one of them, which is obviously Cullen is, is a huge, huge middleweight. I think six foot three-ish. Um very, very rangy, but again, if, if you just look at the stats, like, as you say, you'd think, that, okay, he's, he's going to stay on the outside, he's going to peck his way through the 10 rounds and, and kind of keep the, the much smaller guy on the end of the jab, but I don't think that's that's going to happen at all. I think you're right. I think the other is the there's a big difference here in, in experience. Um, Harding, obviously, is quite inexperienced, full stop. He came to the sport very late. Um, he's already in his mid-30s. Uh, only nine fights since turning pro a couple of years ago. He has looked good since, but obviously against quite limited opposition, let's say. Um, this is a step up for both, I think, but certainly more so for, for Harding Jr. I think one thing that I, I would point out is that, and, and, and like you, actually, I was talking to um, someone on the other side. I was, I was talking to someone on, on Harding Jr.'s um, team. They too, and, and I guess this is where the, the sort of paradox of the gym kind of insider angle comes from really that everyone there is very confident they're saying that they recognize that this would be an upset they expected to see harding open as the underdog which obviously he did but but they really fancy it it's um it's one that 
I think John Harding is a guy who's coming a long way in a very short space of time. Obviously, he's managed by uh, Dillian White, um, a guy I don't know, we haven't heard much about in, in the past couple of weeks, so I don't know what he's up to these days. But um, he's been sparring with White, um, Richard Briatpour, Charlie Duffield, um, we saw a couple of weeks ago, um, Umar Sadiq. So it's not just very good sparring, actually, but it's it's sparring against much, much bigger guys, too. Obviously, against a six-foot-three middleweight, and Cullen is, is ideal, perhaps you would have thought. Up until last September, actually, I was told Harding was actually mostly self-trained. Um, it wasn't sparring. And so if you glance at his record and you see, well, hang on, this is a guy with, with one stoppage um, in nine fights, that explains it a little bit. He, he changed his setup um, prior to last September, yeah. went out, got a stoppage, and then, and then looked quite good in his um, last fight as well. So th- I think there's a lot of variables here. Harding as big as 10 to 1 for the KO actually 12 to 1 in places so looking at the records that w- that would make sense you'd assume you know yes. this is a guy who's not going to stop him and, and realistically based on the size difference so I, I don't see that actually happening um harding 11 to 2 best price for the decision as you said jack cullen 6 to 4 the decision 11 to 10 uh, the ko i think it's going to go to the second half and it, you know but there is a lot for harding backers to like here if they've watched Cullen highlight videos, he gets hit. Um, you know, he, he doesn't mind getting hit, though. Uh, and I'm not sure that Harding Jr. is going to have a pop to stop Cullen coming. You know, this, this is the opportunity that Cullen's wanted. It means the world to him. He's, he's had a couple of big big opportunities on shows fall through through injuries to the other guy. He's flying into this one. This is his big opportunity. He's younger. He's bigger. He hits harder. I think it'll be an entertaining fight because every Jack Cullen fight is entertaining. Um, I just can see Cullen wearing Harding Jr. down, just relentless, relentless shots, relentless, relentless inside fighting, and I think he'll get to Harding. A loss on Harding, well, the draw, sorry, on Harding's record was to Anthony Fox, who's actually a very, very good fighter and very underrated, and he's always someone to keep your eye on for an upset. But he's similar dimensions to Cullen. So if you're looking, if you're going as technical as that, you know, the, the one blemish on Harding Jr.'s record is to a tall, rangy fighter who doesn't mind getting involved. Jack Cullen's a better version of Anthony Fox. I just think it's a competitive fight, but I just think everything is slightly in Cullen's favour all the way through. I just want to give a shout out actually to Jack Cullen's nickname, which is one, probably one of the best in British boxing yes. at the moment, which is the uh, the little lever meat cleaver, I, I think I'm right in saying, yeah. uh, which is tremendous, really. Um Bookies say this is about even money um, to go the distance. They can't make up their minds. Um, 10 to 11 that we do see the 10 rounds, 5 to 6, 8 to 11 that we don't. So it's very, very close. The odds slightly say that we will get a finish. Um, and if we do, I, I, as you say, that could work well in uh, Cullen's favour style-wise. People looking for value rounds 9 to 10, you can get 9 to 1. And I will tell you that Cullen is relentless. And if, if he, even if he is ahead, I'll repeat myself, even if he is ahead on points going into a final round, he will try for the stoppage. So mm-hmm. rounds nine and ten at nine to one, uh, it's worth a gamble, I think. Further down the card then, John, um, kind of what you'd expect really on, on an X-Gen card. Um, lots of showcase type of fights, learning fights. But as we've seen, actually, and I suppose most recently that um, Jordan Gill showed, there is a potential for a slip-up. In terms of betting, that still remains actually one of the biggest stories of the year. Gil was a general 1 to 50, 1 to 50, 50 to 1 on favourite. Um, Enrique Tinoco was as big as a 23 to 1 underdog. Kez Ashvak, uh, John, is the best price 1 to 8 favourite against Sean Davis. That's probably the best we're going to see of it. Most places are going 1 to 10, 1 to 12. So he's, he's at 
He's a heavy favourite. Davis six to one, eleven to two. But you've seen a, a bet you like in the the method victory market. Yeah, I, I like Ashfat to win a decision here at um, six to five, which is a good odds. Sean Davis is a good tough fighter. People glancing down his record will see a a pretty brutal knockout defeat to Reese Mould in an English title fight just a couple of months ago. Uh, I was ringside for that fight, and Reese Mould is a a very, very hard hitter, very aggressive. Um, somebody to keep your eye on when he eventually breaks onto the arena shows. But Sean was just completely outgunned. If, if you look back through his record, you know, he's pretty durable. And also, he won't want to get stopped again. You know, that, that was a, a bad, bad knockout right. Reese Mould inflicted on him. I think Sean might just fight a little bit more cautiously than he usually does. But he's still a tough out for anybody at that sort of level. Um, I can see him making eight rounds quite comfortably, really. There to be proven wrong. I think six to five on Ashfat to win on points is pretty good. Also on the card, we have Martin Bacoli making his matchroom debut. Um, best price, one to 11. Um, in general, a bit worse, actually. 16 to one on against uh, Italo Perea, a uh, 10 to one underdog from Ecuador. And at Bantamweight, we have Sean McGoldrick, the, again, a big favourite, one to 12. Um, against Thomas Asomba, six to one ish, um, thirteen to two. We last saw Asomba against Lee McGregor last year. Actually, um, quite a good fight. He he only got stopped in the in the twelfth round. It's the first time he's ever been stopped actually, and that was uh, was meant to be at the time. That was a very good win for for McGregor, and it was kind of his I'd say his breakthrough. But it it was a fight that was certainly a step up for him on paper. One price that I think could be of interest. Uh, again, it's a ten rounder. Um, McGoldrick only has two KOs from nine wins, eight to 15 the decision, four to nine, bet 365. That's a little bit closer to what I imagine it would be. Yeah. Um, but I think once you're at eight, 15, four to six, it's that's tempting um, on McGoldrick. I think, again, based on styles and, and durability of opponent um, in a similar mold to Ashwag Davis. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a, a pretty safe bet. It's a nice, talented fighter, Sean McGoldrick, isn't he? Um, very flashy, nice, fast hands. But as you say, a Sombers to use for. The cliche is Teak tough, isn't he? And um, I think McGoldrick could do well to stop him. So, yeah, it's a nice little double, actually, isn't it? Ashfak on points and McGoldrick on points. On points, there we go. Okay, moving on. Uh, we have the Saturday night card, um, Falls Park in Belfast, the Michael Conlon um, outdoor homecoming uh, top rank and MCK card. It's a bit of a showcase, really, for, uh, for Conlon. Obviously, unbeaten in all 11 fights so far. Uh, late replacement really um, in Diego Ruiz um, it was meant to be his Olympic nemesis um, Vladimir Nikitin obviously then it's been priced up as such um, Colin as short as 1 to 100 1 to 50, 1 to 33 whichever way you, you split it really it's it, it's meant to be pretty one-sided uh, Ruiz the general 10 to 1 and up for those feeling brave or indeed reckless. How do you see this one John? Uh, I think exactly as you you just said there but I make I don't think there's any doubt that Mick Conlon's going to win. You know, they're building this arena virtually in his back garden, aren't they? This is the park that he used to play in when he was a, a young kid. It's the big festival over in you know, Northern Ireland this week. It's all set up for Conlon to win. I, I think the only interest here is looking at how, and I think even that's a pretty pretty narrow thing to look at. I think um, Conlon on points is by far the favoured outcome, and I can't really look past that. Uh, Ruiz, nice, typical Argentinian, I think. I think he'll be tough as nails. He'll be there all night. He'll come looking for Conlon, but he'll just be completely outclassed. Uh, and Mick should just box circles around him. There's not much value there, is there? I think he's four to nine to win a decision. But I'm afraid that's my favourite outcome. I can't see anything different, really. Obviously, we're mentioning it because it's it's the main event, but as a betting proposition, this is an easy one to swerve. And that said, it, it's, a, it's a 10 rounder, um, and only a 10 rounder. Conlon, six KOs from 11. Ruiz, 
um, only 10 10Ks 10 from 21 wins, two to five that we see the distance. I think it's kind of almost inconceivable where he gets a nod over in what's going to be a really good atmosphere, kind of partisan uh, crowd over there as well. The only thing that can disrupt you that is that Conlon stops him. And it's just not my kind of not my kind of bet. Um, you know, Mick's a great lad. I hope he hope he puts on a bit of a show. To be honest, I'd, yeah. I'd like to get a stoppage and build some momentum. Um, but in this one, I just think he's going to have to go over distance. Down the card, most interesting actually, at least from a betting perspective, is Luis um, Arias against Luke Keeler. Keeler obviously beat Comrade Cummings in a very very good fight, um, also in Belfast back in March. Um, Luis uh, Arias will be familiar from. Um, actually matchroom cards, um, drawing with Gabriel Rosado, who lost that decision to Daniel Jacobs, but mixed in much, much higher class um, and was a very, very good amateur. It's an interesting kind of story, actually. Um, Arias opened the one to two favourite again on Tuesday, but a flood of money since, actually. it's uh, It's been a bit of ga- a gamble on Keeler. Arias has drifted out as big as five to six from that one to two start, so minus 120 for those in, in the US, general four to six, eight to 11. It's a big, big move. That gamble on Keeler then obviously seeing his price go very quickly the other way, opened at 11 to five, seven to four ish, plus 220, plus 175, all the way in now to 11 to 10. Best now available is six to five. Now, obviously, Arias is on the road, he's against a house fighter, but this is a big, big step up from Keeler. So, why the move, um, John? Patriotic money, something else? Yeah, I, I think it's patriotic money. I, I looked at the prices on this and I was expecting Luis Arias to be much, much shorter than four to six. Keeler's making a monumental step up in levels, really. And I know Cummings was an exciting fight and uh, both of them, actually. Uh, Keeler was much, much better in the first fight. I thought he was fantastic when he beat him at yeah. the Odyssey Arena. Um, the rematch was a little bit closer, but it was a massive step up from Comrade Cummings to Luis Arias. Arias has fought Jacobs and Rosado. Keeler hasn't, you know, to put it bluntly. Um, he's been stopped by Tom Duran and and gets hit a lot. I just think, I think Arias is too good a price to to overlook here. I know there's been a flood on flood of money for Keeler, and that does sometimes make you wonder why. Um, as there been some yeah. inside knowledge on an injury possibly to Arias, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I've not heard anything. I think there's a there's a couple of things here. Obviously, I think the big question is look, is Arias going to get a fair shake on on the cards. That's something we don't know. Keeler decision is fifteen to eight. Arias KO is fifteen to eight, and Arias decision is twelve to five. I think Keeler, with it being such a big occasion for him and his his massive opportunity on ESPN and BT Sport, I think he's going to give it his all and fight really well. You know, he is capable mm. of producing nice moments. Luke Keeler is a nice slick boxer. I just think Arias is a little bit too good. Um, he should always be a step ahead. And I, I can see it being enough of a clear victory for them not to be able to take it off him because of where he is. As long as Arias is motivated, in shape, and doesn't have an injury, uh, I think it's there for him to lose. Yeah, look, I, I think there's an argument, actually, that when the market opened at kind of 1-2, um, Arias, that was already already quite generous for the the gamble to come in for the and for the price to swing out as close to even money as it has done. I think, for me... You can weigh up well. Is is twelve to five a good price for the decision? Is is, is Arias going to have to stop him? But you have to say, look, actually, the value there is if Arias is already overpriced at one to two, and I, I know some some fairly good judges who said, look, Arias should be one to five, one to four. There might not be much need to complicate things and say, look, we'll go with the levels. Yeah, sometimes you do tend to overthink things, don't you? Um, but <laughs> if, if you just look at both guys' pedigree, both guys' recent history, if you've been 
brutally honest straight down the middle. There's only one person you can really pick to win the fight. And I think this is one of those cases where you've just got to go with your instinct, go with the facts and pick Luis Arias. I remember, um, and I'm not saying, I'm not comparing um, Arias to, to Rigondeau, but when Willie Casey fought um, Rigondeau in, uh, in in Ireland, there was a lot of money going Willie Casey and, and Rigondeau ended up something like two to five, which was just an insane price. And it was, it was one that he looked at and thought, hang on, what's, what's going on here? Does someone know something I don't? This is a, an elite, elite fighter against with all due respect, Willie Casey, and there is form for patriotic gambles, let's say, and this may well be one of them. Elsewhere um, on the card, John, we have Chris Jenkins um, defending his uh, British welterweight title, um, going for a vacant Commonwealth one against Paddy Gallagher. Jenkins, 11-4, to 1-3 favourite um, in his first defence since decisioning Johnny Garton at the Albert Hall. Uh, that was a big upset as well, actually. Um, Jenkins was a 4-1 to one underdog. Gallagher here, 2-1, to 9-4. to four. Never been stopped. He hasn't got a very pretty record, um, five five defeats. But again, he's a Belfast man, a home fighter. What I like about him, and he ran um, Freddie Kewitt, who's a very very good fighter, um, close at York Hall um, earlier this year. Is this a better fight than than your suggestion? I think it'd be an entertaining fight. Um, it's a voluntary defence as well for Jenkins, isn't he? He's his mandatory fight. His mandatory challenger is Liam Taylor. That's been postponed for whatever reason. And the winner of this fight's got to fight Taylor by some date in September or the title's declared vacant. Jenkins has, has you know, he's taken it. I, I assume the, the lore of a Commonwealth title was too much for him to turn down. Um, I think it's going to be an entertaining fight because Gallagher does come to win. He can punch and he can also be outboxed. But he's only got one way to do this, I think. I think he's going to have to get Jenkins out of there. Jenkins, he's, he's lovely to watch, isn't he? You know, very skillful. He found a way to beat Johnny Garton within about three minutes. You know, that right hand was landing and... He's boxed beautifully that night. I think that was a pretty poor Johnny Garton. It was as if Johnny Garton had, had had his FA Cup final the night he won the British title. And this was a little bit after the Lord Mayor's show. Jenkins has always been a hard luck story throughout his career, though. You know, his head clashes have stopped him winning titles before. I think he's one of the nearly men of the last few years. At one point, you know, they were hyping him as a, a big hope for Wales. And I, I just think he's, you know, he's in a little bit of a purple patch at the moment. I think he'll beat Paddy Gallagher. I don't think he'll do it easily, and I think the lack of stoppage defeats on Gallagher's record are a pretty clear point of the way this is going to go. Um, I think Jenkins will have to take a few. I think he'll have to ride out a couple of rough patches, but I expect him to come away with like a an eight rounds to floor victory in a, a pretty entertaining fight. So I'll be looking at Jenkins on points. Jenkins eleven to ten for the decision. Um, Gallagher four to one. Looking at the KO, Jenkins five to two. Gallagher eleven to two. As you say, neither record really points to a stoppage. You got the draw there at twenty two to one. Look, I think as a as a general rule, if you were to blindly back fighters in the hometown at four to one that were, were kind of firmly expected to go the distance, you're you're never going to go hungry. I, I think I'm with you actually. I think Jenkins was fantastic, really, against Johnny Garton. May not have been what he was um, against Gary Corcoran, but he he's a he's a tough tough fighter. Yeah. Um, and I think as long as Jenkins gets a, a fair kind of read on the cards, he should get the nod there. Yeah. You you could almost say that the Garton fight was perfect preparation for this, couldn't you? Uh, I think Gallagher's maybe a little bit more refined than Johnny, but he is going to walk forward and try to unleash heavy shots, and Jenkins has shown that he can deal with that. Also on the card, John, we have Sean McComb, a big favourite against the man who's been the scourge of several matchmaker over the years, really, uh, Renault Garrido, yeah. who's, who's got a great rate record, um, 24 wins, 24 defeats, three draws. Um, Garrido, 7-1 to one underdog, and uh, we have uh, Patrick McCrory, Four to eleven, uh, one to three against Steve Collins Jr. at Super Middle. Um, Collins Jr. at nine to four. Anything there tickle your fancy? 
Um, you, I always have a look at the odds on Ronaldo Garrido because, you know, he, he always comes to win, doesn't he? I, I, I can't see him getting it done against Makuma. I think he's a pretty good fighter. And I think McCrory's pretty reasonable odds uh, to beat Steve Collins Jr. Over in the States then, uh, the only real card of any note this weekend is from the Barclays Centre in Brooklyn. 12 rounds of what should be good old-fashioned heavyweight slop, really. Um, <laughs> Ariola's been around the block. He's mixed at a good level over the years. Um, obviously, Deontay Wilder, Vitaly Klitschko, Adamek, Severn, but the bulk of those names as you'll realise, are from, from years ago. Ariel is saying this will be his last fight if he loses. Now he's 38 years old. As such, Kalnatsky, the best price, 1-14 to favourite, short as 25-1 to on. Ariel as big as a 10-1 to underdog, short as 7-1. to Now, to be honest, I'm not as impressed by um, Kalnatsky as a son, but he's on a reasonable run. You've got Spilker, Martin, Washington. It's, it's not world-beating opposition, but it does put him in the lower rungs of that heavyweight top 10 kind of in the mix there with Rivas, with Joyce, with Jennings, that that sort of level at the moment. That said, I, I can't really make an argument against him here, even at even at 1 to uh, 14, and even despite the fact that he's a, a little bit overrated in general. How do you see it, John? Thank God, Tom. You know, I, I, I thought I'd been going mad. I, I just didn't <laughs> see it with Adam Karnaski. And But everybody I, I hear or everybody I speak to seems to think he's, you know, he's destined for a title shot, he's, he's going to do it. I've just not seen it yet. Um, no. I'm waiting to be impressed. You know, he, he gets hit a lot. He's exciting. He, he'll stop people. He's certainly watchable. But as for bothering the, the elite, I'm, I've just not seen anything that makes me think he's he's ever going to do that. He's certainly not Andy Ruiz, is he? You know, he might be built similar, but Ruiz is so far ahead in scalability and boxing IQ. I think the odds for patriotic money from the Polish fans might well come again when Kaunaski gets a big fight. And that's certainly something I'm going to be watching. I'm pretty sure he'll beat Chris Ariola, though. You know, Chris Ariola is just a, a, a bit of an older, slower version of Adam Kaunaski these days. You know, he'll get hit, he'll put himself in harm's way, and Kaunaski should be younger, fresher, and certainly capable of putting a, a massive dent in Chris Ariola. I'm not impressed by Adam, but I think he's going to stop Chris Ariola. You know, this is a guy who went 12 rounds, and, and 12 hard rounds, actually, with, with Charles Martin, who may, may, you know, maybe he's improved a little bit, and maybe the Joshua fight wasn't a fair reflection of of his abilities, maybe it was. Um, but, yeah, Kalnatsky, I look at Kalnatsky in the same way that I do Jarrell Miller, um, yeah. although actually I think Miller's a, a more complete fighter and certainly more of a formidable fighter. They're very, very one-dimensional. I'm, I'm interested to see how Kalnatsky gets a match from here. Obviously, he's got the benefit of some good promotional backing, but, it, you know, Chris Ariely in 2019 is not the, the way to, to kind of set up any progress in the division. No, definitely not. I and see people talking about a, a title fight coming after this. I know there's been rumours of a fight with Deontay Wilder. Um, this is no shape or form, any kind of preparation for that. Uh, it's t- it should be target practice, really, for Kaunaski in front of his home crowd. Send the crowd home happy, but we really have to see him face some kind of tougher challenge next. I'm not entirely sure what this will teach us about him, really. Is it one to six for a TKO victory as well? You know, the odds are, are ridiculously short on him to stop Ariola. There's nothing to really tempt him to looking at this fight really as, as regards a betting proposition no there's not one look one to six that um Karnaski wins by by stoppage he's done so in 15 out of 19 wins obviously he is undefeated five to one the decision 12 to one for the Ariola kind of home run KO this is a a tick over at best I would say yeah yeah I agree John then if I were to ask you to pick just one bet for the weekend where's your money Ooh, you know, I, I like Fowler to stop Rose. Um, five to one in round seven or eight. I think Fowler's going to start off a bit more deliberate than normal. 
slowly ramp up the pressure. Rose will begin flagging, and I think those are very attractive odds for a mid to late round stoppage for Anthony Fowler. You're listening to The Boxing Betting Show. Right, John, to close the show, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, this is kind of put together based on the fact that actually we're in what's normally the kind of the off-season for, for boxing going into August, um, increasingly less so these days. But we're looking ahead now at the, the latter part of the year. It hasn't been a, a vintage year for boxing, but there are some big, big fights um, either confirmed, penciled in, or or kind of being floated around. These will obviously be revisited in the show in, in more detail during the fight weeks. But I just wanted to get your snap reaction now to some of the the outright prices on the calendar, just to kind of gauge your, your gut reaction. Um, what prices are right? What prices are, are wrong? What prices are way off? Um, and and actually who wins as well in some of them? Um, so we'll, we'll zip through them. So one announced today, Huey Fury, 7-4 underdog against Alexander Povetkin on August the 31st. Fury, 7-4, Povetkin 1-2. Yep, the odds seem fair to me. Um, Fury Fury's had a couple of opportunities, hasn't he? At a similar sort of level, uh, came up short against Pulev last time. Povetkin showed in the early rounds against Joshua he's still got something left. Um, mm. I didn't think Huey Fury dealt with a pressing fighter very well when he fought Joseph Parker. I know some people think that he, he deserved a decision over Parker. I, I certainly didn't. Um, he's going to have to show vast improvement. Yeah, I think the odds are good, and I would pick Povetkin in that fight. Uh, Lemachenko, um, one to fourteen, obviously a big, big favourite against Luke Campbell, nine to one. Some people have said to me nine to one is getting to a point where Campbell becomes tempting. Is, is that the case? Campbell at nine to one is always, always attractive to me. Luke, I'll be honest, Luke Campbell's not done what I expected he would do when he when he came out of the Olympics and he was almost breaking people in half with the body the body work he was showing. I thought Campbell was nailed on to be one of top fighters in the world I thought he was a real real prospect um, his progress has stalled a little bit for me um, he fought very well against Jorge Linares although I think Linares is just a little bit on the decline now I think Campbell got him at yeah. a good time fought well at a difficult time in his life uh, did his reputation no harm at all but he's fighting Vasil Lomachenko um, I can't make yeah. a case for anybody at the moment at lightweight to beat Lomachenko 9-1 um, to is very big but I think this is a unique case. You know, Lomachenko is that good that the, the odds are that wide. Um, he's a unique fighter, Lomachenko. Sergey Kovalev, four to nine. Uh, Anthony Yard, seven to four. Oh, this is temp. This is this is a difficult fight for me to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, if there wasn't a carrot of a Canelo fight dangling for Kovalev, it's imperative that he beats Yard for that fight to even still be on the table. Uh, I think that might add extra motivation. But Yard is a complete unknown, isn't he? He's fought nobody. He's never been hit. We don't know how he'll react. He doesn't know how he reacts react uh, the first time he gets clipped. And he's certainly going to get hit against Kovalev. If Kovalev comes out and finds a jab, Yard can't beat him, I don't think. But if, if Yard is elusive and slick, then, guys, it's, it's, I find it an incredibly tough fight to pick. You have to make Kovalev favourite. It's in a terrible location for Yard, and I think that should probably lengthen the odds a bit. Uh, I would pick Kovalev, and 9-4 to four is probably quite quite generous. OK, uh, Errol Spence, 1-4. to four. Um, Sean Porter, 11-4. to four. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree with that. Um, I think Spence yeah. is the best welterweight in the world. Crawford will give him a fight, but I just think Spence is too big. Um, Porter will 
keep coming money, you know, and make a fight of it. Sean Porter makes a fight of it with anybody. I just think Spence is on a, a just a slightly higher level, and I think those are pretty fair odds. Uh, same prices then. Wilder uh, one to four. Luis Ortiz eleven to four in the rematch. Well, rematches generally go the same way as the uh, the first fight, but in a more spectacular way, don't they? Um, yeah. Wilder came through hell in that fight, didn't he? It seems to have just been overlooked that now. You know, the Ortiz was a punch away from stopping him. But fantastic fight. Yeah. It was a great fight. A very, very tense for four or five rounds, and then it just exploded, didn't it? It was a great fight. Um, yeah, I would expect Wilder to stop him um, in quicker fashion. Ortiz can't keep going forever, can he? You know, he must be nearly 60 now. Talking of um, rematches then, and, and this is interesting, rematches that end more emphatically the same way. Anthony Joshua, 3-10, to 10, Andy Ruiz, 9-4. to four. Yeah, um, Joshua's got so much ground to make up. It, you know, if, if there was nothing physically wrong with him before that first fight, um, that would have to take some turnaround. It wasn't a, we've probably been said on many a show by many a person before, but that wasn't just a single-shot knockout, you know, that happened to Lewis against Ratman and McCall. That was a six or seven round beating. You know, he was wincing when Ruiz was hitting him to the body. Yeah. Ruiz walked him down. Um, if Joshua's going to turn that around, he's he's going to have to produce some some mental turnaround as well as physical. Uh, I'm not sure he can do it. As long as Ruiz turns up motivated and confident, I, I think he repeats it. I think he stops Joshua again. You're a backer at nine to four for Ruiz. Yeah, I, I would take Ruiz at nine to four. And if the fight does end up in New York, um, that's going to close up, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I would, I would take Ruiz at 9-4. And in fact, I would go for the stoppage. I've not seen the early odds on the stoppage, but I would expect Ruiz to repeat it. Finally then, uh, Regis Progre, Josh Taylor, um, Progre 1-2, to Taylor 6-4. to I, I think this is the fight I'm most looking forward to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from, from now until the end of the year, e- even including Joshua Ruiz and various other fights. I'm a big Regis Progre fan. Um, I was there at ringside when he fought Terry Flanagan and the thing that impressed okay. me most was the way he, he was able to to change. You know, he, he's this power-punching, aggressive guy, but he really threw Terry when he loosened up and he became a slick, elusive guy who was counter-punching. He was um, pretty impressive to see and he, he really can punch. And Taylor's been great so far, hasn't he? He's beat, passed every challenge with flying colours. I thought Baranchik gave him a, a tougher test than the cards reflected. Really good fight with Baranchik coming back. I believe the fight's going to take place in Manchester, and I believe that had a, a lot of weight to Josh Taylor. I think Taylor might just have enough to to get over the line in Manchester. If the fight's in America, I'll take Progre. Um, I think the guy who's most comfortable with the surroundings and most comfortable with the build-up, I think that's going to be a big fight, a big factor in such an evenly matched fight. Um, whoever it, whoever wins is going to overcome Rocky Patches. Um, if the fight's in Manchester, I'm going to pick Taylor to take a close decision. I think that's um, that's a classic case of a fight where you you need to wait for the location. I cannot see Taylor starting at six to four with that fight in in Manchester. I think there's going to be a lot of money going on Taylor that week in in the UK, at least. Um, I think it would close up a fair bit more than that. I'd expect to see Progre maybe eight to thirteen favourite, maybe maybe even a little bit tighter than that. But certainly Manchester would give Taylor a, a big edge. Something about that fight, well, Progre is the one who can end it at any time. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if Taylor stopped Progre. Um, Progre is capable of stopping Taylor at any moment. He, he does have that thudding, horrible power. Um, very impressive fighter to watch close up. I do think the location is crucial in that fight. Whoever gets it at home, I think the odds just sway in their favour a little bit. 
John, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been a, a real pleasure to chat to you. No worries. Thanks, Tom. That's about all we've got time for for now. We'll be back in a few weeks for the Lomachenko Fight Week, um, which is going to be a big one all round. In the meantime, remember, if you like the show, please do like it, share it, uh, leave a review. Gamble responsibly, and we'll speak again soon. Bye-bye.